Greetings and shalom. Peace be with you. Thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, today we are resuming our study, a study we started last week, in the Gospel according to Mark. Today we're going to be looking at chapters 2 and 3. And there's a couple things that I'm going to be pointing out. Uh, one is this conversation about this unforgivable sin known as blaspheming the Holy Ghost, according to the King James Bible. We'll talk about that towards the end of our study. And uh, there's uh, something that we're going to point out as to why we primarily, not completely, but primarily use the King James Bible as our study, uh, rather, than, any, rather than, than some of these New Age Bibles. Now, if you're new to me, and you're new to the broadcast, um, you can go to scriptureandprophecy.com, and at the top there should be a link that says why the King James Bible or why the KJV. Now, I'm a little more lax about that than I was at the time of that recording. Nonetheless, the information I provide in those podcasts for why you should be using the King James Bible as your primary st- primary. Sp- authority in the English. Uh, I answer those questions very, very clearly. Um, It's not debatable. Uh, All the information is provided there at the website. Several other videos from other people are on the website. It's the ultimate guide if you're looking for that. Um, So you can find that by going to, again, scriptureandprophecy.com, clicking on the tab at the top that says, Why Use the KJV? And that question will be answered. But there is a verse here in Mark, and I'll show you one example uh, when we get to it. So, anyway, without further delay, let's resume our study. Uh, We only read the first chapter last week, so we're ready for chapters 2 and 3. The Gospel according to Mark, King James Bible. Let's begin. Verse 1. And again he entered into Capernaum, after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one of sick of palsy, which was born of four, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can, who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, 
and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, and he took up the bed, and went forth before them, all insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose, and he followed him, and it came to pass that Jesus, that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto him, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Please note, Here's the verse we're going to talk about real quickly as one example of countless examples of why we use the King James Version instead of some of these New Age versions because these New Age versions like to use these Gnostic um, manuscripts that are few, not only are they few in number, they are unreliable manuscripts and they these collective group of manuscripts don't even agree with one another okay so they're just completely unreliable completely bogus but it is what a majority of your new age bibles are using so let's read that passage again only in the niv verse 17 out of mark chapter 2 if i'm reading from the new international version the non-inspired version as i like to call it here's what you hear on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Did you catch the very, very, very important difference? You see, a lot of people will read the NIV will read that and go, Oh, he came to call me. I'm a sinner. He came to call me. But the King James Bible makes it very clear what he came to call them to do. There's an action required here. You see, it's little subtle things like this that make so many believe that their actions don't matter, that Jesus thinks that them being sinners is cute and he just came to rescue them. Listen. The NIV says, I, did not, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. End of quote. King James, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, Jesus came to call the sinners to do something. There's some responsibility in our end. We can't save ourselves, right? That's why Christ had to come and pay the price on the, on the cross because we were unable and we are still unable to live out the law. We were all condemned before God. There had to be a sacrifice. But there's action on our part. 
We have to believe. We have to repent. What does the scripture say? If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. There's, see, there's always, yes, we don't save ourselves. We don't work our way into salvation. But there's actions on our part that demonstrate that we actually believe, right? One of those is we repent. We believe and we go, oh no, what have I done? And we repent. Or we slip up and we make a mistake and we remember that our God and our King is holy and righteous. And he's coming for a bride without spot or blemish. And we fall on our faces and we say, Lord, I did this thing. Please forgive me. It was foolish. So many walking around thinking that sin is cute and God doesn't care. This is an example of why that belief exists in America today. Jesus came not to call. I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repent. Sinners to repentance. He didn't just come to call sinners. He came to call them to do something. Repent. Moving on. Verse 18, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and they say unto him, why did the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a new piece of new cloth on an old garment, Else the new piece be filled, and it take a, taken away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled. And the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. And the disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And Jesus said unto them, Have you never read what David did, when he had need and he was hungered, and he and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and he gave also to them which were with him? He said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also over the Sabbath. And he entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. Alright, stop for a second. This is the thing that irritates me the most about th these religious people are some of the most evil people. They don't care about God or God's word or God's children. They care about their position and their power. It says that they're waiting around wondering, is Jesus going to heal? Is Jesus going to say to this man, stretch out your hand and this man who has a withered hand is going to be completely healed before their eyes? They're not interested in that great miracle. How many people have seen such a thing? Clearly, only God 
could do such a thing. They don't care. They're like, I hope he does it so we can accuse him. They're looking for reasons to kill him because all they care about is their position and their power and their authority and their wealth. Not much has changed, my friends. Not much has changed in the, in the realm of religion. Verse 3, And he saith unto the man which had a withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? to save a life or to kill. But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being greed for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Edomia, and from beyond the Jordan. And they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what a great thing he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues, and unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain, and he calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him, and he, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal the sickness, and to cast out devils. And Simon he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James. And he surnamed Bonagris, which is the son of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Barthamo, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canite, and Judas a Scarlet, which also betrayed him. And they went into the house, and the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub. And by the prince of devils casteth out he devils. And he called on them unto him, and he said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand. But hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he can spoil his house. Fairly I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but it is in danger of eternal damnation. 
All right, let's stop for a second because people try to complicate this. Oh, what does this mean? And it's this great theological debate when all they really have to do is just read verse 30. Verse 29 says that you can't blaspheme against the Holy Ghost. That's not forgivable. If you do such things, you're in danger of damnation. didn't say you're automatically damned. It says you're in danger of damnation. The question is, is answered by the following verse, what the issue is. Let's read 29 again. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost... What is it that they were blaspheming? How was the, How were they blaspheming against the Holy Ghost? Hath never forgiven us, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Verse 30, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. They were denying the truth of the Holy Ghost. Plain and simple. The Ruach Kodesh. They're denying it. Not only are they denying the truth of it and, its, and of his power, the Holy Ghost, his power... They are calling him evil, calling him devils. It's very simple. You can't deny the power of the of the Ruach. You can't deny the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't say that God is evil. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is an evil spirit. And if you believe that, you can't be saved. Right? It's not. It's not hard. Here's what Matthew Henry says. Many of those who reviled Christ on the cross, which was a blaspheming of the Son of Man, aggravated to the highest degree, found mercy. And Christ himself prayed, Father, forgive them. But this was blaspheming the Holy Ghost, for it was by the Holy Spirit that he cast out devils, and they said it was by an unclean spirit. By this method, they would outface the conviction of all the gifts of the Holy Ghost after Christ's ascension and defeat them all, after which they remained no more proof. And therefore, they should never have forgiveness, but were liable to eternal damnation. They were in imminent danger of that everlasting punishment from which there was no redemption and in which there was no intermission and no remission. That's Matthew Henry. F.B. Meyer says it like this. The Pharisees circulated this infamous charge, not because they believed it, but to satisfy the question that they were being asked on all sides. What they affirmed they knew to be untrue, meaning they knew that it wasn't by devils. But for selfish reasons, they would not confess what they really thought. Such denial of truth is a deadly and unpardonable sin because it injures the sensitiveness of consequence and produces moral death. There's a lot of people calling themselves Christians but denying the truth, aren't they? They're denying the sensitiveness of the consequences of sin. They're denying the Holy Spirit. Dangerous. That's what he's getting at. Four more verses. There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren 
without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him, and he said, Behold, my brother, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. And that is the end of our study. That is chapters 2 and 3 in the gospel according to Mark. I pray that you've been blessed. I pray that these words have pierced your hearts, caused you to draw ever more closely to Jesus, ever more closely to the Father. I pray that you're being blessed by this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers, your prayers for the podcast, for me and my family. Much, much needed. Much, much coveted. Please consider doing that. And your financial support. I couldn't do this without you. I'm so very grateful for those of you who are so generous. It's far more than I deserve. And it is my great privilege uh, to be able to do this work and to study this word with all of you week in and week out. I am blessed among men for sure. Thank you so much. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.